0: You've got mail. Hey everyone, welcome to another edition of Tech Stream. Baby, can you drive my car or get out of <laughs> my dreams? Get into my car. Shelly Palmer, Seth Everett, we are here. We are ready to talk about vehicles, electric ones, self driving ones. I'm ready. I got my seatbelt on.
1: Yeah, absolutely, Seth. This has been quite a week for autonomous vehicles. And of course, every week is a great week for electric vehicles. Every week.
0: Yeah. Well, there's so much there. Electric vehicles, autonomous vehicles. We're going to talk a lot about driving, but there were a couple of headlines that I think need to be tech stream appropriate. And first of all, the press conference from Apple. Uh, New iPads, shiny Macs, it was funny because in our episode that you we talked about PCs versus Macs, Macs were all about flash. Did you notice outside of the fact that the M1 chip has already been in existence? Were you surprised that they were talking about how many colors they were? Because <laughs> frankly, <laughs> I really don't care if a computer has a different color. I'd like to know how it's going to work.
1: Now, Seth, I, clearly you don't understand that all apple products are fashion accessories Uh all of them you you can buy much more powerful tools you can buy much less expensive tools but you cannot buy the status and prestige of an apple product it is a fashion accessory and a lifestyle choice and that's their clientele so that is about the most on-brand thing cupertino (laughs) has done in years oh my goodness look at all those colored imacs they're awesome
0: <laughs> so, okay, that was the first one. The second so thin one, you can't so thin you can't plug an Ethernet cable into it. But don't worry, it's purple. <laughs> one one caveat to the Apple thing: um, they announced those Air Tags, these yeah. little things that you can put on your uh-huh. keychain, so you can you can then use the Find My app to find whatever you know device, your luggage, your, your suitcase, whatever, whatever it is. Your dog, uh, yeah. and Im- mm-hmm. immediately social media ran to privacy. First of all, oh. no one is making you buy it.
1: Boy, I tell you what, this is going to be the football of the next two to three years. And by, by the way, Seth, sometime very soon, probably after this podcast, just right after this podcast airs or, or minutes before, one way or the other, iOS 14.5 is going to hit and Facebook and Apple are going to have a fist fight over privacy. That'll be like a future episode. All right. Oh, tab- yeah. So, yeah. So, privacy is going to be a big thing. And Apple is talking privacy
0: all day long. It's on brand for them. And yeah, it's going to be a thing. Okay. Uh, last one Snapchat announced that they had added 15 million new users. My only question about that is I thought TikTok was the new Snapchat.
1: Children are fickle for okay. sure. All right, and uh, it's possible that someone might have cared about Snapchat for ten minutes. It's possible. It's also possible that mom and dad are standing over the kiddies. Has Snapchat come and gone? You know, Seth. In the world, they um, the way you do this is you say, "Is it a nightclub or is it a utility?" <laughs> uh, any app, right? So is Snapchat. A nightclub or utility? I say it's a nightclub that goes in and out of style. It was really popular, then it wasn't. Now maybe it is for a minute. Whereas Facebook is just a flat-out utility. People just use it. That's what it is, right? So, you know, when Snapchat trends, right now, TikTok is a nightclub and a really good one. We'll know if it's more than that in about five years. Only history will tell us, right? MySpace turned out to be none of the above. It came and it went right? No one even remembers that at this point. So all these things change. Are we likely to see Twitter step up and and become more popular than it is? Twitter has been utility status for a long time, but it's never grown. It's just sort of languishing at a user base. It just doesn't grow. Facebook's been growing all the time. Snapchat, glad to see that they're doing something, but is it sustainable? History will tell.
0: All right. Time to hit the road. (laughs) Let's talk about the self-driving car. The idea of a self-driving car, it sounds futuristic. It was conceptualized in movies 50, 60, 70 years ago. I just don't know the need. I don't understand the demand. Is it more just... People are interested because they want to see a, a, like a car crash. They want to no. see this fail.
1: <laughs> no, 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 no. First of all, let's call them by their correct name. Autonomous vehicles. Uh, there are lots of great. I, I want the
0: Night Rider theme right now. Yeah, I know. I know. Um, look, the
1: let's go just the history of this and the fantasy of it and the reality of it are all kind of intertwined in in a weird narrative where people think there's either self-driving cars or there aren't, right? The car either drives itself or it doesn't because it feels very binary, right? The car is capable of driving itself or it isn't. And everybody's like, well, cars will never be able to drive themselves. There's too many variables and it's never going to be safe. And that, whoa, you got to stop right there because that's not what this is. First of all, automation with respect to the vehicles and driver assist are the most important things that come out of this technology. Adaptive cruise control, lane assist, uh, being warned when there's somebody in your blind spot, crash prevention, the car will break by itself. Like all of those sensors are really valuable when you are driving. So semi-autonomous is at least as valuable, if not more valuable at the moment and much more sophisticated as we teach, uh, AI models to drive cars. And as cars become autonomous, a bunch of things start to happen, Seth. And it's not for everybody. I don't look, it, is it fun to drive a car that drives itself? Like we could go in the, philo, the philosophy of what is the ultimate driving machine? If it drives itself. Does they have to? Does BMW have to change its its tagline to the the ultimate, the safest driving machine? I mean, what like if it's driving, is it? What is the European craftsmanship going to do for you? Is that for the <laughs> leather seats? I, I don't know. Right? It's not. It's a different world. It's, and now it's the world of mobility, getting from place to place, not having the thrill of driving your own car. So and it's safety first. So oddly enough. All of the things that people are complaining about. Well, is it safe? It's like, I think it's safer than having someone drunk behind the wheel or someone tired behind the wheel. And it's not in every scenario, right? It's not every single scenario is not appropriate for an autonomous vehicle. But highway trucking, yes.
0: Yeah. Oh, <laughs> hands down. I mean, there, there are definitely uh, applications. But I see some stuff from a survey. Okay. 56% of Americans wouldn't feel safe in a driverless vehicle. 76% of Americans want Congress to mandate breaks in driverless cars just to have some semblance of control.
1: Well, how much is 56% of Americans wouldn't feel safe in a self-driving vehicle. Right. Most
0: people polled want driverless cars to be four to five times safer than they are now.
1: Well, Okay. So a hundred percent of people should not get into an autonomous vehicle in 2021 because they don't exist. The only vehicles that exist on the road right now that are approved to be used with a license plate and a registration are semi-autonomous. There is no car that is road tested and sanctioned as a, you don't need a steering wheel. You don't need brakes. You don't need a gas pedal. No, you there, it doesn't exist. So they are right. If only 56%, that means that that Um, and I'm going to say some percent don't care, but (laughs) right. That's how surveys go, but some very high percent of people are completely misinformed about what the potential of of the, what the reality of, of the business is right now. So no, there are no self-driving cars right now that don't need a steering wheel, don't need brakes. That would be considered, um, a level five car, a fully automated car. There are there are five levels from basically zero to five and the most you could say. That exists right now is roughly level three uh which is a car that uh, under certain conditions and slow moving traffic with a human there to be able to override it is capable of of doing you know traffic jam traffic where the car will engage and it won't crash into the car in front of it you don't have to pay that much attention in slow moving traffic now there are great companies like waymo and argo the software companies that that are working on level four cars right now A level four car is a car that where you know things can go wrong of course they can but human interaction is really not required with a level four car you just need to be there but they all work in what uh, is known as geofenced locations so like what Argo's working on are these autonomous vehicles that work in urban environments where they've got invariant maps of the city streets and the car is got enough sensors to understand the variables. That's going to be amazing for delivery and uh, you know food delivery and where, what UPS and FedEx do every day. These are really, and the post office, these are really good vehicles for that. And Argo Technology, I think Level 4 from them is going to be good. Waymo's got the, uh, they've been concentrating more on highway driving in Level 4. The Waymo guys, that's part of Alphabet's group or Google's group. But, uh, you know, it's not there yet, but it's close. It's really close, Level 4. and Level 5, That's that might be a grail quest, meaning that there may not actually be such a thing as Level 5, but maybe <laughs> one day in the future there will be.
0: My bigger concern, though, whenever I hear a story about this is not necessarily what who's going to drive it. It's just what's it going to run on? I just think that, you know, with all the processes of renewable energy that are at least in the proposition phase, the idea of an electric car has appealed to me. Yes, of um, course. I, you know, there's a there's a spot in, a, in the mall near me. For Teslas and I go by And I just go that's that's what I want I want I want that I, I Want to see that that's my night Rider and What I, what I have seen over The years in and To me you know I'll just Give you a quick history six Years ago I liked the idea of An electric car they were just too Expensive so I never mm-hmm. considered It uh, then it became I got sent I'll tell you a quick Story I got sent to Paris, France, to cover Formula E. What's Formula E? Well, Formula E is like Formula One, but all the cars are electric. And Mm -hmm. there's a very fascinating guy, Jean Todd, who's the head of the FIA, and Alejandro Agag, who is uh, a a, he's like Spanish royalty. He's a fascinating guy. He's been on my other podcast, Sports with Friends. Mm -hmm. And they were out and they just talked about what if we could do a racing circuit where all the cars were electric. And here's the idea. All these car companies that want to have teams for profit are designing cars that can be energy efficient and get the most out of with the least amount of energy being used to win a Focaccia race. (laughs) And as soon as I heard that story, minus the Fakakta, all I thought was, this is the only sport that will actually save the world. Because what I think we should hold these car companies to, and I've talked to um, engineers from Nissan, I've talked to Audi, I've talked to all these different people for the stories that I wrote, and I said, what's the year total that I can hold you guys accountable? Not in... What's your record in Formula E? Because I could care less who wins these races. Mm -hmm. What I want to know is if Nissan has designed something that puts them in a championship where they made money based on their success in Formula E, how does that make the electric car that I can buy better?
1: Yeah. Well, you know, the biggest problem, if if I can call it a problem with all electric vehicles, all EVs is range anxiety, right? Because while the average American doesn't drive very far every day and probably does park in a place where you could plug your car in, everybody's feeling like it takes too long to charge. And I think that that's where amazing advances are both possible and right now happening at the Shanghai Auto Show just a couple of weeks ago we had the Audi concept the Etron A6 or what I guess it will be the Q, Q6 when they no it'll be an e, an A6 from from Audi The um, Etron that they put out there has what they are saying is going to be a 500 mile range. Now the most you can get out of an Audi today is I think maybe 230 to 250 miles on the uh, Etron 55 but, but if you look at the, The idea of this new concept A6 at a 500 mile range on a charge, Seth, I'm in right now. I'll do it now, because I that that's that's a there and back to almost anywhere. Right. my My gas powered vehicle only gets roughly 400 miles to a full tank of gas. Now filling up a tank of gas is just a couple minutes. Charging the car is a bit more but with a 500 mile range now i don't have an excuse i don't that's what i
0: want people working on like i would tell half of the workforce that is designing these self-driving cars and say design them where they can charge fast give me the fast charging ones and give me the one where i can do it with ac power also or an adapter what i want to see you know You've been to Europe. I've been to Europe. I was walking down the street in in London and I saw the parking meters. You know, the things that look like parking meters were Mm -hmm. actually charging stations Yeah, like all over. There are Mm -hmm. charging stations here. They're in parking lots. They're in parking garages. They're, you know, they're they're few and farther between. And again, I'm not trying to make this a political thing, but it's it's because of the oil companies and the oil companies are trying to fight this tooth and nail. But I always think that this is where tech can step up, because if the focus is on the future, you can, in in essence, kill two birds with one stone, really attack the environment and and help the environment and make these cars less reliant on gas.
1: Yeah, we had at. This past CES, you know, we, we spend a lot of time, uh, this was a virtual CES, but we were lucky enough to spend quality time with the guys from Honda and what a wonderful group. They, they do so many interesting things with robots and cars, of course, but what people, people may not know is that our, our friends at Honda are really committed. To car charging stations, I think they've got something on the order of six thousand of them in the UK. So when you said London, that's what made me think of Of it. I know that that, that's where they went immediately, right? Their first zone. But they are uh, working hard, and and interestingly, not only are they trying to work uh, on the power grid, but all of the apps and all of the things you would need to have a kind of a universal experience, where you pull up, you you have a reservation, because you know the the more cars there are, the more you're going to need to be able but to you've seen those, sequence you, all that. You've seen those oh, apps fantastic. that have
0: the charging things. Like you're driving yeah. in your car and you go to 20%, and they'll say, Here, this is where the charging stations
1: are. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, Honda's all over that. And they, there are a lot of car companies are, though. I just love what Honda's doing and the way they're thinking about you it. Tell Honda because, about TechStream. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I definitely will, by the way. Uh, at, but at the end of the day, what's wonderful about all of this is that uh, there's a I think the car, the oil companies may be less interested, although I'm not sure, Seth, that I would, I might push back on this because the oil company executives I've spoken to, and it may just be lip service, we have, I, I'm not going to name job, but we have a couple of very large uh, fossil fuel companies as clients and they're consulting clients. We don't do a tremendous amount of work for them, but I was lucky enough to sit in a very high level meeting uh, just before the pandemic started with a head of communications for one of the largest oil companies in the world. And what this person said to me when I talked about EVs and their, you know, what they thought about it, and the head of PR of this organization said to me, the fight in the world is not going to be over the last drop of fossil fuel. We got plenty of oil. The fight's going to be over the last drop of water. So anybody who's telling you that Fresh water. So anybody's telling you that we're worried about supply, they should stop. And anybody's thinking that we are worried about oversupply, it's like, no, we're not worried about any of that. We're worried about the environment because you need to. It needs to be sustainable. And I, it was a really interesting talk. And I, after the whole thing, I was like, well, I hold the phone. Last drop of water, and then the conversation went to fresh water and the diminishing supply of fresh water, the immense cost of desalination, and and in pro- the processing of wastewater into freshwater and irrigation. And uh, we had a long talk about what's going on with the, the Colorado river and California and the Hoover dam. And like, I was like, Oh my goodness. It's like, wait a second. I'm thinking oil companies are all about oil and you're all worried about EVs And I'm there. No, they're worried about the planet. And they're worried about the, can people buy gas, <laughs> you know, gas and oil. There's, there's plenty of people that are plenty of, uh, of, of, places on earth that still rely on fossil fuels and they're not worried about running out. They just aren't. So I'm worried about the atmosphere. I'm worried about that incredible imagery from Google a few weeks ago. I don't know if you got a chance to see it where they showed the glacier just completely going away. It's like, I got to tell you that that's very scary, right? It's pretty, it's pretty graphic. And at this point I no longer care whether I don't want to have a debate. About whether it's man-made or not, it's like okay, let's Doesn't pretend it, it. Let's pretend it isn't man-made. Does that mean we should sit on our hands right now? Like, I, you did, are you saying that we can't impact it if we didn't cause it completely? If this is a normal cycle of the Earth, can we not just reverse it by being more responsible with the uh, greenhouse gases we put in the atmosphere and then try to aim the technological uh, focus? on this problem. Cause I, you know, there's one earth, we got one place to live when you don't have it anymore. It's going to be hard. I don't think Mars is quite ready for us. <laughs> Ro- oh, Rover, notwithstanding. How amazing was that? By the way, it was incredible.
0: Oh my you God. You want to talk about autonomous incredible. vehicles? Like
1: that's an autonomous vehicle. With an crazy. autonomous helicopter, right? Uh, 117 years ago, the Wright brothers get out there and, and basically do a DIY flight 10 feet off the ground for 120 feet. And 117 years oh, the later, pictures, we're doing
0: a, the pictures were so authentic. Oh my God. That was so cool
1: on another planet. I I'm sorry. That just, we shouldn't take that for granted. I know we're all jaded, but we shouldn't take that for granted. Seth. that was, that was something really special. And I, you know, I, I got a lot of, I wrote that in my blog and a lot of people pushed back and said, we have so many problems on earth. How could you be caring about space travel and space exploration and that technology? It's like, Every time I travel anywhere, like for the first time, and even the second time, and even the third time, I learn something new. Sure. You, you can't, I mean, and everyone's had that experience. You go to a foreign country, new foods, new atmospheres, new culture, culture new, new everything, and you can absorb it and you're enriched for it, and you're better for it, you know more, and you're a better functioning human. You don't think going one hundred seventy million miles to someplace else and experiencing something new is good for humanity as a whole? It is. It really is.
0: Oh, so it, it's uplifting. It's so. It's so cool. Um, it it and it's funny because, you know, there have been like we were saying, there have been talk about, uh, avs, all throughout popular culture. I mean, for mm-hmm. decades they have yeah. been talking. And I'm not just I joke about Night Rider because that was the greatest show ever, but just this <laughs> idea that you know people have always wanted to have this, you know, the, like just the idea that uh, it's a it's a it's a it's a view onto the future. Well, what's more futuristic than Mars? I mean, the, the, just getting the the reward of seeing that and what what kind of a cool job and the the best part about that is all these things are happening and there's no human life at risk. Like there's no right. person out there. There's right. it, It's all remote control. So what they're getting countless data when, you know, in order to find out what the craters were like in the moon, we had to take this massive risk and send human beings up there in these little capsules that literally look like I could crush them. You know what I mean? Like We've come so far. And what I love is, you know, we talk a lot about on this show about how tech can be for us, you know, streaming services and PCs versus Macs and all these different things. All that tech, all that scientific data is going out to find a way to go to Mars without having to put somebody's life at risk. That's incredible. And I don't yeah, care if look, it's private, public, you, it can be a, any government they want. It's not a race. It's JFK was, you know, saying we had to be first to the moon. I don't care who's first. If you want to be from Turkey, go for it, get yeah. to Mars and show me what it's like.
1: I, it's, it, it's a fascinating, we have to do a whole show about it. I have some friends who are really deeply, deeply involved in privatized the privatization of space. And I, and it's a very interesting idea. You know, when, not to put too fine a point on it. And I know we wanted to talk about autonomous vehicles today and electric vehicles, but in the sixties, when JFK made that statement, everyone was scared of Sputnik and what the entire Apollo program for all intents and purposes, and people are going to push back here. And I apologize. We were trying to demonstrate to the then Soviet union that we could put an intercontinental ballistic missile Uh, from Washington. And for those of you who don't know the difference between a ballistic missile and a guided missile, a ballistic missile uses Isaac Newton to drive. You throw a rocket in the air at a trajectory and it lands. And we wanted to prove we could pinpoint accurately drive a ballistic missile to the point where we could deliver a nuclear weapon that way. And we wanted to prove that we were dominant in it. And that was the motivation to get all of that together and america was able to prove it could do that and, and they did it in the most interesting way they did it the way that the thomas edison did it with george Westinghouse did it big showmanship hi let's put someone on the moon we can prove the rocket can get there we can dominate space but now and by the way seth not to put too fine a point on this back then there were exactly two two entities on planet earth that could afford to field the space program the united states and the soviet union that was it now yeah. there are like 30 billionaires who have enough money to write yeah. a check for their own space program and i don't think they'd know they wrote the check so right. we're in a different place now Couch cushion money right yeah i mean <laughs> well we're in a good place for for private exploration and by the way i i'm excited i am very excited about what's happening in in the privatization of space and i'm also very excited about autonomous vehicle technology and battery technology because all of that EV and AV technology, all of that, all of the computer tools, all of the models, the AI models, all of the sensors that need to be built, all of the way that we aggregate the data and information to make those things possible and efficient, just drive everything forward for us. And I, I, I know that there are many other problems on earth, but... This focus on mobility and this focus on data-driven decision-making and evidence-based real-time tools and streaming data,
0: good will come of it. Real good will come of it. All right. Bottom line this, Mr. Palmer, if there was a car that if they told you get in, it's going to take you to uh, a restaurant that you like, but you are not touching the wheel or the gas or the brake, would you do it right now? In
1: 2021, I have... Uh, I wouldn't do it if that was a production car. I have actually been driven from McCarran Airport to the Las Vegas Convention Center in a fully autonomous vehicle. There was a driver behind the wheel. Uh, (laughs) it, it It was the coolest thing ever, flat out the coolest thing ever. What I will say is that in 2021, if such a production vehicle existed, I would not feel good about it. But very soon, very soon, Probably within the next two to four years, we are going to see a solid level four car, solid, able or autonomous vehicle, not necessarily car, could be a van, could be a truck, solid level four that is safer, better, more gas efficient, possibly electric. So it would be really gas efficient. And that is a vehicle I would feel very safe getting into because under most circumstances, that car will make better decisions. In a person will not all most
0: well I just wanted to have a flashing red light on the hood and be a black trans am Just do that for me before I die that's all my night, that's night my writer progress. forever <laughs> that's Shelly Palmer I'm Seth Everett thank you for listening thank you for subscribing please keep the ratings and reviews coming one day we're going to have so many good ratings and reviews we're just going to read them that'll be an episode of text stream it'll be our least listened to one but it'll be an episode of text stream